0: I should probably thank Gordon that out of all the pictures he could have used, uh, he chose one that wasn't too bad. Uh, There are worse uh, around Facebook, etc. So thanks, Gordon, for being gracious and kind today. I want to read uh, just a small section of that chapter uh, four of Ephesians. It's Paul writing to Christians, fairly mature Christians, many of them, um, but he's writing to them about growth. And I want to read from uh, Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to start reading uh, verse 11 and through to the end of uh, verse 16. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. And by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part Does its work. When David ended up, uh, invited me to take uh, the service this morning. He came back very shortly afterwards to say, "It's probably early, Trevor, but do you have any titles uh, for that particular day?" Which is really uh, asking kind of what kind of Christmas present you want in ten years' time. Hand a clue, Um, but. As I thought over the next few hours after that, it, it was this passage in Ephesians 4 that came back to mind again, and particular that theme that runs through the 16th verse, where this repetition of growing and the concern Paul had about growth comes through. So I gave him the title all those months back, uh, Way to Grow, um, as a kind of semi-modern way of tackling this verse. I couldn't have known, obviously, what was happening in your minds and hearts as a church eldership, as you thought about the problems of growth, numerically, building-wise, etc., and all that's facing you at this point in time. Paul's main concern is spiritual growth. I think there's no doubt that he lived in a day when the spread of the good news of Jesus was having a, a massive impact around the world. There's no way you can understand it, except that kind of expression that was given in the early church's day, that they turned the world upside down. Enormous, the impact of Christianity in the world, both the Roman and the Greek world of that day. But Paul's clearly concerned that that numerical growth of the people of God around the world would be matched by spiritual growth um, of individuals, and also, I believe, uh, the body of God's people together. And so I want to ask the question, try to guide your thoughts this morning in terms of the question, how does real spiritual growth take place? What's required? First heading for you is simply to have a clear purpose. Purpose. I never wanted to be the size I am. No comments, right? Never, never planned it. Never sat there and thought, one day I want to be six foot two tall and X number of stones in weight, let alone kilograms. It wasn't something premeditated and planned. It just happened. Well, more or less just happened. I have a grandson who's 13 and he's hit six foot two already. And he has his moments of trauma about being the tallest boy in his class and the tallest boy in his rugby team and all the rest. And I I feel for his pain. But physical growth just happens. You can't do anything about it. Spiritual growth doesn't just happen. Spiritual growth comes about when our... Thoughts are shaped in a particular way and we direct our efforts in particular ways and we have a a passionate longing to become more clear in our spiritual thinking and more Christ-like in our spiritual living. The purpose is set out here in this passage where Paul speaks of uh, wanting to reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. To become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Interlinked things, but you can take three separate components there. Unity in faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Maturity, which is behavioral issues amongst God's people. And then the fullness of Christ having Jesus as our role model and seeking to pattern our lives upon him in every single detail. Those three components are what makes up the purpose that we have in our hearts as we say, I want to grow as a Christian. I want to grow in unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, in maturity in my spiritual behavior and in the image or likeness of Jesus in my life. And that growth is going to be attained. That growth needs to be proportionate. It needs to be balanced. All three things need to be visible in us and be part of what we long for and desire. You see, it's possible the Christian life to say, well, I really, really want to grow in my theological awareness. And I'll stuff my head and my heart full of theological knowledge and I'll become a super theologian. I'm not saying that's totally wrong, but if that's our sole area of desire of growth, then there's going to be losses somewhere else down the line. This balance is important. If I'm standing in front of you today and you saw one arm fully grown and the other arm still at its childhood stage, I don't expect you to come to the door and say, wow, I want to shake your hand. It's great to see you've got one arm fully grown. You'd probably best have a bit of sympathy for me, that the other hand grown uh, in comparison and imbalance. You might even feel sorry for me, and knowing some of you probably snigger behind my back, but you'd think it's odd if one part of me had grown out of proportion to the rest. And as individuals, we need to possess a strong desire to grow spiritually in each of those three component areas, in faith and knowledge. I think it's lovely that Paul links those two things together as though they were one, that our knowledge about Jesus and our faith and our trust in Jesus are two sides of the same coin. You can't grow in faith and not grow in knowledge about Jesus, who He is, what he's like and how trustworthy he is. Faith and knowledge in Jesus go hand in hand. So that becomes one component part. So I want to grow strong in my faith and knowledge about Jesus, but I also need to grow strong in terms of my behavior. Do I really want to behave differently? year on year in my Christian life. Do I see that as being the great challenge? Not just say, well, I did fairly well in the early years and I'll stay static now because that's fine. I've reached a good standard. As I said in a minute, that's actually a backward track. Spiritual growth is about an ongoing progression. Paul was concerned that individuals in Ephesus we grow in faith and knowledge, would grow in mature behaviour, and we grow in their Christ-likeness. And that was one bundle, one package that he put in their hearts and minds. They needed that to be their goal. They need to have a clear sense of purpose and direction. That's where I'm headed from this day onwards. But I don't think it's just a personal issue. I think as he writes these words, he's addressing the whole church in Ephesus. He wants that body of Christ in Ephesus to show corporate growth together in each of those same dimensions. It's interesting when he talks about faith and knowledge, he's actually saying he wants them to have in their hearts and minds that they will grow towards a unity in faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So it's not just an individual who says, I want to grow and become more Christ-like. I as an individual want to become um, more strong in my faith and knowledge of Jesus. I as an individual want to become more mature in my behaviour. It's addressed to the whole church. And if faith church is being challenged here to have is their great purpose in life. that They'll grow in unity in the faith and the knowledge of Jesus in mature behaviour and in real Christ-likeness. And that was true in terms of how Paul saw God's call to the church in Ephesus, then it's clearly God's same call to the church in Windsor, the church in Great Victoria Street, and every other church uh, that you and I are aware of. Do you feel, is it part of your gut feeling that, that church attendance, church membership Church life is about the whole body of Christ growing together in balance, one with the other. If we can take that thought one stage further, it must sure be biblically true that this should be our purpose and our longing at association level. So here's my presidential bit to you again. Uh, it's not just say, well, I'm in Great Victoria Street, so I'll, I'll pray hard that I will personally grow and I'll pray hard that my church will grow. But it should also be my vision and desire that that would be also true of every other church in our association of churches. And if I can dare go further that, of every redeemed community of the people of God. If we don't have that clearly slotted into our minds as our purpose in growth, it's unlikely we'll ever achieve it. (laughs) Like many of the great achievements in life, we must be dedicated, committed to that purpose and our goal. Secondly, continuous progress, I think, is on Paul's mind here. Verse 14 is a kind of what-if statement. What if I am not growing? What if we are not enjoying steady progress? What would be the consequences if this great purpose isn't achieved in my life, my church's life, our association's life, or whatever? Fundamentally, Paul's language is that if we are not steadily growing, then we will stay like spiritual infants will be in babyhood spiritually for the days ahead. That's not a pleasant picture in terms of how he sees that. It's a picture of instability blown around by the winds and storms of life, carried with the drift current tides of the seas of the world and his thinking. And there's all kinds of odd and non orthodox theories and ideas drifting into the minds of these people in Ephesus. They'll be susceptible to a range of deceptions, misleading teaching, misguided behavior. So you understand where Paul's coming from. He, he doesn't see a lack of growth as being a kind of just neutral state for someone to be in. He sees that as as someone exposing their heart and life of the individual or the heart and life of the whole congregation to serious error. Failure to grow as individuals, as 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 a body of people doesn't lead to a neutral position, but a negative one. If there is not active growth, then there is definite Decline. You start looking for analogies, analogies come thick and fast, and there are two possible physical analogies we could go through. say, "Well, let's look at stages of human development of the human body." And if my previously referred to grandson uh, reached six foot two at 13 years of age, then his parents might look back and say, "Well, that's his wee growth spurt, and he'll probably stay there for another couple of years." And then the wardrobe will have to be changed again, have another growth spurt and get to six foot five. And hopefully he'll not get beyond his father's height. He'd have reached his level and he'll stay there. What you wouldn't even imagine is that grandson will reduce from six foot two to six foot. He still wishes he could sometimes, but that's not real. In the world of physical development... There's steady progress, sometimes a quick spurt, sometimes a slower stage, sometimes a massive uh, forward movement and growth, and sometimes a static period. And I guess sometimes we imagine that's what Christian life is like. You come to faith, and early on in the Christian life, everything's brand new. You suddenly realise what a wonderful thing it is that Jesus died on the cross to take all my sin away, to reconcile me to myself to bring me into his family. And that immediate response of gratitude and thanks leads to great growth in our understanding of the gospel, our awareness of Jesus, our appreciation of what he's done for us, and all the rest. And we we grow fast. And then you hit that period of life where, oh dear, career's pressing, family's tough going, relationships are difficult, financially things aren't in the best of state, And church has got a wee bit boring with the preachers nowadays. So, well, I kind of just hang fire for a while. And kind of imagine, well, once I'm retired and old, then I can start growing again. That would be my kind of next spurt of growth. Let me change the physical analogy. Most mornings, I spot some of my friends who are bodybuilders. Not in the way that I built mine, but in purely muscular terms. They come to the gym, they warm up, they go through their muscle rip reps, they drink their protein shakes, and their muscles get wonderfully built as a result. What I quite enjoy is when they then have to come to August and take the kids off to Mallorca on holiday for two or three weeks, and they come back. And the question is, have their muscle-building routines Retained their state of play as they were three weeks ago? And the beautiful answer for non bodybuilders, no, it jolly well hasn't. And they're back, you know, more than three weeks back down the line again. They've lost that protein input, they've lost all that physical fitness they've had, and the muscles have declined in the process. Because they were not growing, continuing the process of growth, it didn't mean they just stayed where they were raised an expert. It meant they actually dropped backwards. I think that's a better analogy, as I see it biblically, what Paul is saying here. When he writes about these people becoming like spiritual infants, he's not actually saying, if you don't grow, you will stay as, as spiritual infants. His implication is, you've grown up. But if you don't keep on growing, if there's not constant progress, then actually what happens is you start to decline and you revert to spiritual infancy. You might remember how he writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3, brothers and sisters, he says, I could not address you as spiritual, but as mere infants in Christ. How come? Was this because this bunch of people in Corinth hadn't grasped theological doctrinal issues clearly enough? Hadn't they been doing their homework in terms of Bible reading? Or whatever. No. These were people who had matured a fair bit along the Christian road and pathway. They're having brilliant discussions about what it actually meant for the body to be raised from the dead at the second coming of Christ and when that would take place, etc. When he says to them, I can't speak to you like spiritual adults, but I'm having to speak to you like, like spiritual babies, he's talking about people who were here and they haven't kept growing, and so now they're just like newborn kiddies. Spiritually speaking, and what's the issue? The issue is their behavior, their lack of maturity. They're squabbling over, well, I'm a great fan of the Apostle Paul's. Oh, I'm a great fan of the Apostle Peter's. or oh, I was baptized by Apollos. Oh, well, I'm just a simple believer in Jesus. They had all this internal squabbling going on. And Paul says, when you show that spiritual immaturity, you're demonstrating you haven't kept growing It's not that you were just there and you stayed there, but he's saying you were there, you grew and you grew, and then you started to slide back because you thought you got to a stage where you didn't need to bother about growth anymore. There's no stage of our human life, no stage of our personal Christian life, and no stage of a church's life Where growth is not still number one on our agenda. Clear purpose, continuous progress, is a corporate process. Growth is designed to come through the participation of the whole body. I guess this is where I was actually at when David asked me for a title is that little phrase, as each part does its work in verse sixteen. He's saying the growth that he's looking for comes about when each part of the body does its bit, plays its part. So God used all the diverse, very parts of the body to shape and mould and correct and instruct and inspire me in my own personal pattern of growth. I, as a Christian, am not an island. I cannot do it on my own. God brings us into fellowship with people so that the rough edges of my spiritual life will be chiseled off. He brings me into the fellowship of God's people as a church so that other members of the church can pick on me, not in the bad sense, but in the good sense, pick on me on the bits that need to be refined a bit more, on the things I need to learn, the things that I do wrong so they can correct me and help me along the road. Even Paul himself, there's a lovely phrase in the opening verses of his letter to the Romans where he said he longed to be with them and he has two things in mind. So I can impart some spiritual gift to you, we understand that, he was a great apostle. Then he goes on. And so you can impart a spiritual gift to me. Great apostle Paul all of his wisdom, knowledge, spirituality, etc., etc., but he was still prepared to put himself into the gathering of God's people and allow other people to promote growth spiritually in himself. That's true of the individual. It's also true within an individual church. The spiritual growth of that church requires the active spiritual input of every part of the body. The whole sermon, just that phrase, as every part plays its bit, it does its thing. And if you work out the logic of that, Paul's saying that if in the body of Jesus Christ in one place, there's a few folks who say, well, we're not really 100% into this place. You know, We're not really completely committed to it. We're just prepared to sit on the sidelines. It's a lovely place to go for we wee while on a Sunday morning and sing some nice songs, but that's, that's where I draw the line. Well, so actually those people are not just damaging themselves in terms of their own spiritual growth. They're actually in danger of holding the growth of the whole body back. It's as each part plays its bit that the whole body grows. And at a broader level, that's true of the individual who needs the input of the rest of the body. If it's true of the body who needs every part to play its bit. Then... Isn't it true also the wider level that in the body of Christ we need to be open to receive from others in the wider company of God's people and open to share with others as they need. If growth is going to be at its maximum potential, it requires all to be working together. Fierce independence, the kind of spirit of many of us Convinces us that we're capable of doing it all by ourselves. Spiritual reality is we need one another. Problem is, I guess, for all of us, we think, as we look around the world, well, what have I got to learn from them? They're so different from me. The reality is, the only person I've got nothing to learn from is the clone of me. Now don't get worried, there isn't one as far as I there. know. there's just one of me. But imagine there was a clone whose exact perfect representation of me in every single dimension. From that person I would have nothing to learn because they're just the same as me. I learn from those who are different from me. I learn from those whose diverse ways and thinkings and behaviours challenge me that's why God puts us into associations like ours. Not for us to go in our own splendid isolation, but to believe they are part of how we grow. Growth needs a sense of purpose. Do you really have that that sense, that goal, that motivating force in your life? I want to keep on growing. I'm just a Christian six months, but I want to keep on growing. I've been a Christian for 66 years, but I want to keep on growing. We've been in a church together, met in this place for however many years, but we want to keep on growing spiritually, that sense of purpose. It is an unending process. We never arrive this side of heaven. And we need the input of one another as each part plays its bit. Let's pray together. While you have designed that those who have come into your family through Jesus as Saviour and Lord should then grow and grow and grow and grow. Lord, we come afresh to you today and pray that you'll take each of our individual lives and by your Holy Spirit, produce that growth inside our own lives. We pray for this church. And ask for its spiritual growth day after day after day. We pray for our wider association of churches and indeed all those who around us love you with heart and mind and soul and strength. Grant all that wonderful joy of seeing growth in all your people to your glory. And we're going to finish our service by singing uh, a song that Trevor has requested that we sing, and that this growth is possible because of the wonderful grace that we have been shown. So stand with us as we close our service.